A great man once said, start with an apology. So I'm going to start this episode, episode 78 of The Minefield, with an apology. I'm sorry about last week. Uh, the rant that I ended with was strange. I don't know where it came from. I apologize. Keep your hand raised if you've had sex with a prostitute without a condom over a thousand times. Hope I have your attention. How to survive a female psychopath. Yes, that is her, and yes, that is a red knife. So it's Tim Duncan bisexual. Considered by many the greatest podcast in history. The last decade of podcasting. He's a global icon, not only for what he did. You think I'm not allowed to should be loud? World-class podcast. Seven. Seven basketball players in a row. He, you know, he never, he never went out. He, he always went like secret spots. He never mingled with nobody. Never wanted no. Hey guys, friends, it's the minefield. Yeah, yeah. It's episode seventy-eight. Year. Jumping right into it, the minefield in F twenty-two. I'm attempting to do a funny podcast. I don't look at the statistics anymore. It's a new. Thing I'm doing, I'm not focusing on views on my YouTube channel or statistics on my podcast. I'm doing this for my own entertainment, and it's something that I have done for a long time. Little audio plays and little radio shows, uh, sometimes on the actual radio. And now I'm doing a podcast trying to make myself laugh. So, here we go. When I was a young guy, I wanted to tell you about this. I wanted to tell you about this. When I was a young guy, uh, just starting college, I had worked at Kroger and I had, uh, bagging groceries, and I had done landscaping. And this was my first job after Kroger. So, I'd bag groceries, but this was just for feet in Kennesaw, Marietta, Georgia. And... It was a big box athletic wear. Warm up jackets, selected caps, jerseys, t-shirts, shorts, and more. 50% off. Reebok, Adidas, Timberland, Fila, Logo Athletic, Wilson, Starter, and more. All 50% off. College and pro, we've got the jackets and jerseys you've been cheering for. And they're all 50% off. Hurry in now while selection is still great. The 50% off save. This week at Just for Feet, but the 13th pair is free. It was a big box athletic wear, athletic shoe warehouse with a uh, basketball court in it, like half of a basketball court. It was very, very cool. It was huge. Just for Feet was once a thriving shoe and athletic apparel retailer. Beginning in 1988 by Harold Ruddenberg, by 1999, there were over 165 stores in North America. Also in 1999, Just for Feet had nearly $800 million. It was actually headquartered in Birmingham, Alabama, and it was really, really popular in the mid-90s, and it went belly up, and everybody at the top... Everyone, like family, the son, including, went like did jail time for fraud, and the son of the founder did jail time. They closed the last store in 2004. They were also famous for another bizarre reason, which is uh, a couple years after I left, they made a, a really ill advised. Super Bowl commercial just for feet did. And it was just this horribly racist and like just stereotypical in every way commercial about 
running shoes. And it was about this African runner who's you, we see running with, without shoes on. And then he, you know, is nabbed by these like poachers who, uh, forcibly strap these big, you know, just for feet athletic shoes on him and they send him off running and he's clearly agitated. It's just bizarre. And they spend a bunch of money and they put it on the Super Bowl. And I think it was the year that maybe it was the year that I worked there earlier in the year that I worked there, which was also when the Falcons lost to the Broncos in the Super Bowl. After the commercial aired and the immediate backlash, Harold Runnenberg sued the ad agency Saatchi and Saatchi for $10 million for advertising malpractice, severely damaging the Just for Feet brand beyond repair. That's just a side note. Thank you to Retail Rewind on YouTube for the audio and the information. And I just kind of wanted you to know what the store was like. It's a big retail chain, like huge basketball shoes. This is back when like shoes were, you know, if you had a size 10, we're talking about like, you know, 20 pounds of material. The shoe boxes were enormous. Everything was huge. The the basketball shorts were enormous. The shirts were out of control large. Everyone's clothes were just huge. Everyone's shoes were huge. So we had, I worked in the back in the little warehouse. And it was just rocking and rolling. And all the attractive people sold shoes on the floor and they got like commissions for sales and they were like the cool kids. And I was with the other orcs and like uh, human traffic children in the warehouse moving shoe boxes around. We were just trying to make space. We would unload trucks and then just try to make space in the warehouse, constantly pulling shoes out, putting them back. Anyway... There was an older guy who was the manager of the warehouse in the back who was just a few years older than me. He was probably 23, and he I thought he was probably one of the coolest people I ever met. This is that age, you know, at 18, where you have, like, you're juggling a couple of man crushes at that age. You're just, like, looking around and just trying to figure out who you want to, how you want to be when you're, when you're older, or who you want to be like. How to be. Anyway, this guy was really cool. And he, I can't, I don't remember his name or anything. You know, I don't have feelings for him anymore. But actually, I have positive feelings and, and positive uh, vibes I want to send his way and like, good wishes and goodwill. But he, I know he lived at home. And I know his mom was ill, and he lived with his parents, but he was the manager or maybe assistant manager of the, of the warehouse. And his girlfriend was super hot. He was 23 or so, and he had, like, long sideburns. This is 1997. They were just chiseled and perfect long sideburns. And he had a Jeep, like a what we would call a Wrangler now, or what we would call a Wrangler back then, with huge tires, no doors, no roof, just 
awesome with a ridiculous sound system in it because he's working as an assistant manager, but he lives at home. His parents have a pool and he's got a hot girlfriend and he's got this, so he's got no expenses and he just pours it all into his Wrangler. (laughs) So he's got this ridiculous, like this super loud system. He was just super nice. He was nice. He was like a genuinely kind person. And even, you know, amongst all the, everything that was happening around us and all the people working there, he was just a really awesome person. So, and when you're working at a retail, like athletic warehouse next to the mall, the bar is pretty low. Like all you have to do is be slightly nice. And people are like, Whoa, that guy He's like Gandhi. He's so nice. And like all you did was like nod at someone, nod hello to someone. Because everyone else was like possessed by the devil when they got in there. The customers were mean. The the bosses were so mean. The people who worked the floor made like three times as much money. And they were attractive and they got commission and they just kind of hung out. And they smelled good. And we were in the back in the dark, basically. Working the mines. In the mines. Deep down in the mine. Where it's dark. In the just for feet shoe mines. Anyway. It was a dark place. It actually was... <laughs> it was traumatic working there. I hated it. But I'm glad I did it looking back on it now. Because I learned a lot about people... One time, one of the managers there, and he was a he was a, a corporate guy, so he came from like another location. He was coming from a probably from Birmingham, probably from the home office, and he was uh, you know moving in as a uh, assistant VP, regional whatever. So he was moving to the Kennesaw Marietta area, and one day he came into the office and he grabbed like. 10 of the warehouse guys and we all got into like (laughs) a U-Haul crammed into a U-Haul and then someone else followed us in a van or something or that had more seats now that I think about it it might have been 7 of us and we are now leaving just for feet so it's already what are we doing and we're tra- he says, well, we're go- you guys are going to help me with a project. And we go out to this subdivision, and he is unloading this truck, and he wants us to unload the truck for him. And he's moving to Kennesaw to start working at this Just for Feet. So he grabbed a bunch of guys from the warehouse, and we start unloading the truck. You know, I'm like 18. I'm unloading the truck. And um, he... He says, well, I got, I got something. You guys are probably thirsty. And he gets this cooler out, and he opens a cooler. Have you ever seen anybody do this where they put room temperature drinks into a cooler without a cold source for the inside of the cooler? Like, no frozen pack, no ice. He just put, like, a 12-pack of Sunkist and, like, a 12-pack of root beer or something in a cooler and it was just room temperature and it was hot I mean it was summertime it was a summer job it was summertime in Marietta Georgia 
So it was a thousand and 40 degrees. So I'm guzzling this sun kiss. The water isn't on at their place yet. There's like, we're just dropping the stuff off and we're standing there. And I had like one of the last things to come in and everyone was standing there drinking their warm sun kissed. And I came in with his golf clubs and it was like the last thing. And they're all standing there. We're all just it's so hot. We're sweating through our clothes. It's so hot. And it's, it's just, I mean, the, I, I, it was hot inside the house, hot outside. So I bring in these golf clubs and I put, and I set them down on the ground and then I lean them up against the wall and everyone is looking because they're all just in a daze and they're just punch drunk from unloading this hot truck. So they, everyone's watching me do this. And I'm thinking about the sun-kissed because I was getting the last thing. Everyone's sucking down their hot orange juice. And I want, I want one. And so I lean it, the golf clubs up against the wall. And what's making contact with the wall is the biggest club, the driver. It's a rounded club. You've seen Mickey Mouse swing it around. And it's the longest club. And it, it usually the back of it, kind of the way it rests, the if it doesn't have a cover and it's not in a pack, you know, it's not packed into something, then the driver kind of rests up against the wall at the angle that I put it at just wasn't substantial. It wasn't substantial enough to hold the clubs on the wall. And so I put, I lean the clubs against the wall and then I turn towards the dry warm cooler and I go over there to get the orange. And as it, as I walk away, the, the clubs s- slowly scrape down the wall leaving like a half of, you know, leaving half of a rainbow, the beginning of a rainbow on the wall of like a black streak. And then the clubs crash to the ground, but they've, they've left a trail across the wall. And it, it all happened real slowly. Now, this is a trigger warning because I'm going to use curse words here. And I never use real vulgarities on this podcast. I've never done it. I have to do it now because it's not funny any other way. You have to know what this guy said when he saw that happen. So I am giving you a trigger warning right now. I'm going to say it in a second. Everyone looked at him. I looked at him and he said, and I've never heard this phrase before or since. He watched it scrape down the wall and he said, motherfuck of God. And I never, ever heard anyone say anything like that before. And I grew up a lot. Between the time that those clubs made contact with the wall and then slid down and made contact with the floor, I learned a lot about the world. So back to my man crush. Uh the guy who worked, who was the assistant manager. Sometimes I've had musical experiences where someone's exposed me to something musically that just opened my eyes. And unfortunately, sometimes it's uh, music that you look back on and you, you might cringe at, but it was really, it was really mind blowing at the time. Now it's kind of funny or it's, it's, it's almost embarrassing that that's something that would have made an impact on you. But yeah, it was, I was into 
a weird variety of music. I was into hip hop and R and B. And then I even listened to jazz a little bit because I played in the band and stuff and I was in marching band, you know, jazz band and stuff. And then, but at home, my dad played bluegrass and he played the Beatles and even Michael Jackson and, but, but pop music and top 40 music, never weird or dissonant music that was out there. And a few times in my life, someone took me aside and said, like, you've got to hear this. And they played something for me that I had never heard anything like that before. And it just blew my mind. And one day, the cool guy, assistant manager, we were talking about music, and I probably inadvertently learned that I didn't have a real wide appreciation of music beyond popular music and beyond pop sounding music, music that sounds good, music that's catchy and music that's in tune, music with singers who are classically trained, um, people who don't make musicians who don't make mistakes and leave them in (laughs) or whatever tonal, like variety and dynamic changes that um, you don't see in top 40 music. And so one day, um, I think I must have revealed that. And he said, oh, come listen to this album out in my car. You've got to hear this. And he told me, and I had never heard of the, the band and was just like, this is, how I, this is how I know so much about his car. So we went out to his car. Nothing weird happened. Stop. I mean, don't, don't even bring that up. But um, I was wearing a halter top. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, um, yeah, so he goes out to his car. He's got this super loud system. And he goes, you got, you got to hear this, and you have to hear it with, with it, like, really cranked up. And he played something that just blew my mind. It was a crazy, wild band called Corn. And they were bizarre. And it, yet it was it was kind of catchy and there was this like groove to it that I just I had never heard anything like that. And so I go back to that moment a lot of times and think about like being a, an impressionable person who was exposed to people who were different from me and people who were not as nice to me as my parents were and people who were didn't want to engage with me or bosses who got mad at me <laughs> and cursed at me. Anyway... I'll see you back in the present day next time. It'll be 2022 when we return. No more 1996. I will meet you back soon. Thank you for listening. And I really mean that seriously. I really appreciate it. You're now leaving the minefield. MF22.